Hey Northerners, a listener's note. The following episode contains coarse language, adult themes, and content of a violent and disturbing nature. The opinions expressed in the following episode do not necessarily reflect those of the Northern Blood podcast. Listener discretion is advised. So today's case is The Highway of Tears, which is an infamous story about one, two, multiple serial killers that basically roam this entire highway, killing hitchhikers, which a large majority of those hitchhikers are Indigenous women. And uh, this entire case basically is talking about how they aren't getting the time and concern that they really truly deserve. So um, without further ado, here is the story of the Highway of Tears. So it is called the Highway of Tears and it is referring to a 724 kilometer length of the Yellowhead Highway 16 in British Columbia. This is where many mostly indigenous women have disappeared or they've been found murdered. It is a part of a larger national crisis of missing and murdered indigenous women and girls. In 2015, the federal government launched a national inquiry into these cases. So here's some context for this this particular piece of highway. So it refers to the section of the Yellowhead Highway from Prince Rupert on the northwest coast of British Columbia to the central interior city of Prince George. And it is surrounded by 23 First Nation areas that border Highway 16. Unfortunately, the region is characterized by poverty and low-income housing and a lot of substance abuse. And unfortunately... There's just not a lot of care that has been given to these people. And unfortunately, this is what is leading to where they are in this world. So the exact number of women who've disappeared or been murdered along Highway 16 is disputed. The RCMP acknowledges 18 murders and disappearances in its list of Highway of Tears cases, dating from 1969 to 2006. The RCMP also include women who have disappeared from Highways 97 and 5 in British Columbia. 10 of the 18 victims are Indigenous women and girls. However, Indigenous groups argue that this number is misleading because it only reflects the disappearances and the murders that have happened in the specific geographic areas and these highways, and the real number in Northern British Columbia exceeds 40. According to Human Rights Watch, an international non-governmental organization that conducts research and advocacy on human rights, British Columbia has the highest rate of unsolved murders of Indigenous women and girls in Canada. However, the problem is not unique to British Columbia. Considering a national crisis by many Canadians, the federal government announced in 2015 that it would launch an inquiry into missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. In that year, Carolyn Bennett, now Federal Minister of Crown Indigenous Relations Canada, claimed that the national number of murdered and missing Indigenous women and girls in Canada is likely over 1,200. Each reported case of a woman's disappearance or a confirmation of a recovered body has a cumulative effect on the First Nations communities along the highway, one of growing fear, frustration, and sorrow. 
1981, the RCMP organized a conference to investigate the growing number of unsolved cases of murdered and missing women along Highway 16 and the other highways in interior British Columbia. Known as the Highway Murders, these cases involved women who were either found dead near Highway 16 or were last seen in that area, often hitchhiking. Approximately 40 police detectives from British Columbia and Alberta attended the conference. Close investigation of the cases revealed a number of similarities, including reports of suspicious vehicles and the names of persons of interest. While the Highway Murders Initiative identified prime suspects in certain cases between 1981 and 2005, women continued to disappear or were found murdered along the Highway of Tears in British Columbia. In response to some commonalities between the murder cases of three women, Alicia Germain, Roxanne Fiera, and Ramona Wilson, the British Columbia RCMP's Unsolved Homicide Unit created Project EPANA in the fall of 2005 to investigate other cases of murdered and missing women along Highway 16. This project was named in part after an Inuit word describing the spirit goddess that looks after souls just before they go to heaven and or reincarnated. The RCMP uses three criteria when reviewing the case of missing or murdered women. The victim has to have been involved in a high-risk activity that would expose them to danger, such as hitchhiking and being involved in the street trade or prostitution. The last victim had to have been seen or their body was discovered within one mile of Highway 16. In 2007, this was actually broadened to include Highway 97 and Highway 5. And number three, they had to be female. In 2005, when EPANA was first launched, the RCMP identified nine victims who had gone missing or had been found murdered along Highway 16. They were Alicia Germain, Roxanne Fiera, Ramona Wilson, Alia Sarek Uger, Tamara Chipman, Nicole Hoare, Lana Derrick, Delphine Nickel, and Alberta Williams. All but one of these victims, Nicole Hoare, were Indigenous. In order to broaden the investigation, the RCMP used this computer system called it's called VICLAS, which is Violent Crime Linkage Analysis System, as well as other databases and missing person records. In addition, the geographic area under the investigation increased from 724 kilometers to actually 1,500 kilometers, which not only included Highway 16 to Hinton, which is in Alberta, but also sections of Highway 97 and 5. This led the RCMP to double the number of Highway of Tears victims from 9 to 18, all of whom were murdered or disappeared over a 37-year period. The nine additional Highway of Tears victims are Shelley Bascu, Maureen Mossy, Monica Jack, Monica Ignis, Colleen McMillan, Pamela Darlington, Gail Ways, Michelle Parr, and Gloria Moody. I'm going to give you just a quick description of a lot of the victims here, just so they have a little bit of a place to mean something. Um, so the first was Gloria Moody. Um, she was 27. She was a mother of two, and she was last seen leaving a bar in Williams Lake, British Columbia, October 25th, 1969, and her body was actually found the next day. Uh, Michelin Parr was last seen in July 1970 along the Fort St. John Hudson's Hope British Columbia Bridge. Her body was actually found in August um, of 1970 near Hudson's Hope, and she was 18. Gail Ways was a 19-year-old from Clearwater, British Columbia, and was last seen hitchhiking in October 1973, and her remains were found in April 1974. The RCMP actually suspected Bobby Jack Fowler in her death, but no conclusive evidence existed to convict him. Pamela Darlington was 19 years old. She's 
She's from Kamloops, British Columbia, and she was actually found murdered in a local park in 1973 in November. The RCMP also suspected Bobby Jack Fowler, but again, no evidence to convict him. Monica Ignis uh, was 15 when she was last seen walking along Highway 16 in Thornhill, which is near Terrace, British Columbia, in December 1974. Her body was found four months later, a few kilometers east of where she disappeared. Colleen McMillan was 16 in August 1974 when she left her family home in Laclahash to hitchhike and visit a friend. Her remains were found one month later. Uh, 38 years later, in October 2012, DNA evidence led the RCMP to announce their belief that Bobby Jack Fowler was Colleen's murderer. Fowler died in an Oregon prison in 2006. Monica Jack was actually the youngest victim at 12 years old. She disappeared in May 1978 while riding her bike near Merritt, British Columbia. Her remains were found in 1996. Gary Taylor Handlin, a 67-year-old man, was actually charged in 2014 for her death and that of an 11-year-old girl named Catherine Mary Herbert, which was unrelated to the Highway of Tears investigation. Though Handlin claims he's not responsible for killing Jack, Prosecutors maintain that he's confessed to the crime during a conversation with an undercover RCMP prior to his arrest. Hanlon's trial began in 2018 in the BC Supreme Court, and in January 2019, a jury found Hanlon guilty of the first-degree murder of Monica Jack. Maureen Mosey was 33 years old when she was last seen hitchhiking near Salmon Arm, British Columbia. Uh, in May 1981, and her body was actually found off a runoff lane leading to Highway 97. Uh, Shelly Bascu was 16 years old when she disappeared from Hinton, Alberta. She was last seen by a witness on May 3rd, 1983 near Highway 16. Alberta Williams disappeared in August of 1989 at the age of 24. Her body was found several weeks later near Prince Rupert, British Columbia in 2016. A CBC News, an eight-part podcast about her death entitled Who Killed Alberta Williams? Delphine Nickel disappeared June 14, 1990. She was 16 and she was hitchhiking on Highway 16 between Smithers and her home in Telka, British Columbia. Uh, Ramona Wilson um, was 16 when she was hitchhiking to her friend's home in Smithers um, in June 1994. Her remains were actually found in April of 95 alongside Highway 16 near the Smithers airport. Ramona was a member of the Gitten Max band. Her tragic story was actually part of a 2006 documentary by a Métis filmmaker, Christine, Christine Welsh, called Finding Dawn. You guys can actually go and watch that. I believe it is on YouTube as well. Um, Roxanne Fiera was 15 when she disappeared in November 1994 from Prince George. Her body was actually found near Burns Lake off of Highway 16. Alicia Germain was living in Prince George. She was 15 at the time of her disappearance. Her body was found near an elementary school close to Highway 16 West on December 9th, 1994. Lana Derrick was a teen from the Gitten Yao Band and was 19 when she disappeared October 7th, 95, last seen at a gas station near Terrace or Thornhill in British Columbia. She was traveling east on Highway 16 to her home in the Hazleton area. She was enrolled in studies at the Northwest Community College in Houston, British Columbia. Nicole Hoare was from Alberta and was working in the Prince George area as a tree planter. She was last seen hitchhiking from Prince George to Smithers on Highway 16. She was 25 at the time of her disappearance in June of 2002. Tamara Chipman was 22 when she disappeared on 
um, the 21st of September in 2005. She was last seen hitchhiking on Highway 16 near Prince Rupert, British Columbia. Tamara's home was Morristown First Nation. Aaliyah Uger was actually 14 and it was a student at the D.P. Todd Secondary School in Prince George when she went missing. She was last seen by her family on February 2nd, 2006. Her body was found uh, February 10th, 2006 in a ditch 15 kilometers east of Prince George. Indigenous groups are claiming that there are more missing and murdered women than the Project Ipana acknowledges. These include, but are not limited to, Helen Frost, who was a 17-year-old teenager living in Prince George. Um, she went for a walk and she never returned. Virginia Samper was actually one of six children, um, and she was san- seen standing on a bridge in Highway 16, and she was never seen again. Cecilia Nickel was 15. Uh, she went missing along Highway 16 near Smithers. Um, Dina Bram was 16. She was last seen alive hitchhiking to her home in Bushy Lake from Quenelle, British Columbia. Uh, Bonnie Marie Joseph was 31 and she went missing in 2007. Um, Madison Scott, uh, this was like some of these are recent guys. May 2011, which it was, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but like it's still happening. And she was actually located um, 25 kilometers southeast of Vanderhoof. Her pickup truck and tent were found. Um, sorry, she wasn't located. Her vehicle was located uh, and they never found her. Um, Immaculate Basil was another lady who had went missing in 2013. Uh, Anita Thorne uh, went missing in 2014. Doreen Jack and her family, they went missing in 89. Um, it looks like... Um, it was not just she who disappeared, but her entire family. Um, they say Doreen's husband, Ronald, met a man at a local pub where the man offered him a job at a ranch or a logging camp. And that night, the family prepared for the trip for his new job. At around 1.30, uh, Ronald called his mother from a resort looking, uh, located approximately 50 kilometers west of Prince George, informing that he, the Doreen, Doreen and the two boys were leaving for about two weeks, and that was the last time anyone ever heard from them. Um, there have been some solved cases um, through Project Ipana, which actually achieved a breakthrough on Colleen McMillan's case, um, where their DNA evidence actually linked um, American felon Bobby Jack Fowler to the murder. The RCMP also indicated he was a strong suspect in two of the other highway cases, one of Gail Ways and Pamela Darlington. In December 2014, an arrest was made in the murder of Monica Jack. This was Gary Taylor Handlin that we talked about earlier. Um, and again, he was just charged last year. So while no new cases have been added since 2007, now that is all to say that there's no names that have been on there. But I can tell you with with absolute certainty that these cases are still going on. There's still a serial killer out there. So police investigators have not been the only ones searching for these people. And they've been looking for people who are responsible for the abductions and the murders of these women. Some families of lost loved ones have launched their own investigations or documentaries. And there's actually a private investigator, Ray Michalko, an ex-RCMP officer who's actually been on a personal mission to solve the High With Tears cases. Without any compensation or pay, he's made numerous trips to British Columbia's north central interior to meet with their families and conduct his own private investigation. There's still so much debate over the exact number of women who've gone missing on or near the Highway of Tears. 
Many in the indigenous community claim that this number exceeds 40, 50. Some argue that socioeconomic inequalities limit the resources available to find and fund searches and awareness campaigns. But if you drive down that highway, now I've not done it personally, but I have seen the pictures. There are ginormous billboards along the highway that are telling all these women do not hitchhike. There is a serial killer on the loose. Now, if that doesn't give you full body chills, I don't know what will, but this entire highway, this 754 kilometer highway, literally is the most dangerous stretch of road and not because of the actual highway road conditions. It's not a windy road like you would get when you go through Golden, through British Columbia. This is a dense area. Like if you're thinking like in your brain, if you're not from Canada and you're listening to this and people think of Canada just being this like dense bush area with no people and, and no traffic and no cities and towns, that's what Highway 16 is. It is the thickest bush and there are very, very, very limited towns around there. Smithers is one of them, Vanderhoof is one of them, but between Prince Rupert and Prince George, there are only a couple stops. Now, a lot of these indigenous women are trying to get to places. They're trying to either go to see friends in another part of the part of the province, or they are trying to get to work, or the, like just hitchhiking along that highway is so common. And unfortunately, because a lot of these women are indigenous and they don't have a lot of resources, they don't own their own vehicles, they don't have licenses, hitchhiking is their main way of transportation. Um, and for the longest time, there actually was no transportation along that way. Activists had long called for a national inquiry into missing and murdered indigenous women and girls. Elected in October 2015, the federal liberal government promised to hold a national inquiry into Canada's missing and murdered women. From December 2015 to February 2016, the government completed a series of Canada-wide meetings with the victims' families to determine both the expectations and the scope of a national inquiry on missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. Hopes are high that the national inquiry will result in a significant action that the families' victims along the Highway of Tears have been working towards for more than a decade. After much public pressure, the BC Transit System started three new bus routes along Highway 16 in 2017, one actively servicing this, the areas between Smithers and Morristown, the other two servicing the areas between Burns Lake and Smithers, and between Burns Lake and Prince George. Although the 2006 Highway of Tears Symposium recommended a shuttle, it took over a decade to see any change. In 2018, the province's Ministry of Transportation reported that about 5,000 people have used the new bus routes in the first year of service. Greyhound Canada announced in 2018 it would stop servicing routes along the Highway of Tears, and they actually shut down completely. The mayor of Smithers, Taylor Backrack, was arguing that the expanded local transit system does not make up for the services that Greyhound offered. The province's Minister of Transportation had said she plans to work with the communities affected by this service disruption to ensure their transportation needs are met. So I have a map open here while I'm kind of talking to you. So just to kind of give you a visualization, Prince Rupert is literally on the as far west coast as possible. Um, it is surrounded by ocean and there's not a whole lot on the outside of it. Um, 
British Columbia is a massive, massive province. Um, and so even though it looks like it's Northern BC, there's actually so much more province up like further North from them. But just to give you an idea, the 754 kilometer stretch of highway has Prince Rupert. It has a place called Skeena along it. Um, Old Remo Terrace um, kind of goes a little bit further north and goes to Cedarville, New Hazleton, which I mentioned, Morristown, Smithers, Houston, Burns Lake, Fort Fraser, Vanderhoof, all the way to Prince George. And then actually, if you were to continue further east, um, Prince George actually, if you were to go further towards Alberta and go down, it actually kind of touches a bunch of other places, but Goat River, McBride, Valemont, um, and then you kind of hit like the Jasper area of Alberta. Um, but when I say that there is a lot of territory along there, and even though I just named all of those small towns, those might have one gas station. They, they're not necessarily a hub. Um, and so these missing women were trying to get to the places they needed to get to and using the only mode of transportation that they knew. So before I close this case out, I do want to touch on a couple people that have been arrested for the case. I know this isn't necessarily an open and shut case. If people kind of like that closure, this unfortunately is not one of those cases. Um, there is uh, a serial killer that named Cody Lejabokov. He was convicted for the murders of Lauren Don Leslie, Jill Stun. Stunchenko, <laughs> Cynthia Moss, and Nash Natasha Montgomery, and he's notably um, one of Canada's youngest serial killers. He took his spree out when he was about 19 or 20, and in 2014, he was actually sentenced to life in prison with no parole for 25 years. Now, if you were to Google the name Bobby Jack Fowler, the picture that comes up, um, if you don't know what a serial killer might look like, I feel like his picture <laughs> is literally what people would think of for a movie. So he was actually convicted for rape, kidnapping, attempted rape in Newport, Oregon in 1996. He actually died in prison in 2006, six years before he was actually identified as a suspect of the Highway of Tears case. Um, Fowler is a suspect or a person of interest in at least 16 murders in British Columbia and Oregon dating as far back as 1969. So he is actually one of the prime suspects for three of the Highway of Tears cases. Uh, Colleen McMillan, his DNA was actually found on her body, Gail Ways, and Pamela Darlington. Unfortunately, a lot of these cases probably will never be solved because either their remains had no DNA and there's no new information. And the scariest part of this all is that these cases keep happening. I'm sure there are a ton that we haven't heard of. And unfortunately, even in Alberta, there um, is actually a case um, of a like a woman who went missing named Amber Takaro. And she went missing actually near Edmonton. And um, I live in Alberta, which is only a couple hours from me. Um, and so there was talk that there has been almost like a very, I think, small scale of Highway of Tears, but that there is a serial killer in you know central to northern Alberta um, and so this is still happening she went missing only a couple years ago and a lot of these young girls like a lot of these girls were girls they weren't even women they were young they were 14 they were 15 they were 16 and the fact that they went missing probably just trying to go see a friend is what is absolutely devastating and 
unfortunately, a lot of their cases, like I said, will never be solved. And a lot of these men who are serial killers probably will take it to the grave or they've already died and there's no justice for these families. And so if you can um, go and watch some of the documentaries just to get a better idea, a better picture, you'll see some imagery. Um, I have a picture up here right now about that sign that I talked about earlier. It literally has a stop sign. It says caution. It says girls don't hitchhike on the highway of tears. It has a bunch of teardrops with the highway 16. Uh, it says killer on the loose and it has pictures of three victims on it. So if you are in that area, please be safe. Please use your head. Use the transportation system that's available. Do not, do not, do not hitchhike. And even if you're not on the Highway of Tears, girls, do not hitchhike. This literally is the scariest thing you could do. You don't know these people. It's not like it used to be. Um, although with saying that some of these victims, you know, were killed in the 1960s and 70s. And so this has been going on a long time. Um, so like I said, it is actually devastating to not be able to actually have answers to give you guys about these killers and these victims and any kind of justice. So I just wanted to tell her story. I wanted to make sure that this highway is known. It is infamously the most dangerous highway in all of Canada, if not North America. Um, so just please be safe and we will talk to you next time. Stay safe, Northerners. Thank you so much for listening. Every case I talk about is so important and deserves the attention. If you could kindly share this podcast with your friends, that would be amazing. If this is the first time you're listening to Northern Blood, thank you. I would love for you to go give our show a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or 